guys I listen to in the corner, back by the wood pile. I no longer shoplift or smoke crap. And when I say bad words, they just sound like video games. Like Kim Jong-un and his dog. I'm Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. Bobloublog.com's Alberto de la Cruz is back by the woodpile again, this time around to talk about some of the Cuban musicians from the past and in the present who have had a hard time of it thanks to the communist regime still persecuting and silencing dissent. We start off by talking about the general situation for artistic expression on the island. I think a lot of people have, especially American youth, have the notion that Cuban musicians or any artist can do whatever they want to do in total freedom. In fact, they hear that the Cuban government financially supports them. So talk about how musicians fare in a general way first, and then we'll talk about specific musicians. Uh, There's something Fidel Castro said at the beginning of his reign, and it was in reference to artists and different mediums of artistic expression, be it literary or paintings or music. It basically sums up what being an artist in Cuba is all about. And what he said was, within the revolution, everything, outside the revolution, nothing. In effect, artists are free to create whatever they want to do as long as it glorifies the revolution. If it challenges the revolution, questions the revolution, shines any bad light on the revolution, it is not acceptable and will not be tolerated. So artistic expression does not exist in Cuba. Well, let's talk about Arturo Sandoval. He was a jazz musician, but Castro had a real thing against jazz. Do you want to explain why that was? Just like rock and roll, jazz was subversive. They didn't want any subversive music. I, I find it so ironic that they have a statue of John Lennon uh, in Cuba that was put up by the regime when for many, many years, uh, Beatles albums were banned in Cuba. That was a problem with the type of music. Jazz was inherently subversive. It was, uh, you gotta remember it was the early 60s, so they're thinking beatniks and the Trotskyite wing of the communist party which they didn't like so they didn't want any jazz really playing even though they they did come to once it became more mainstream just like rock now you can play rock in cuba but you can't play there's certain bands in cuba there's a punk rock band uh porno para ricardo which is basically translated porn for ricardo that's a punk band and they get arrested beaten they're not allowed to to be played on the radio over there and any concerts they have, a lot of the concerts that they have are rated by state security. So it's no longer the type of music now, it's the content of the music that they, they go after. Uh, this is a bit of a chasing a rabbit, but you, you did say something that I think needs to be clarified. Explain 
why there's a division among Marxists between the Trotskyites and maybe the Stalinists. Well, the Trotskyites are, are the more idealistic communists, the, the ones that really want the true utopia and really want everyone to be equal. They have a problem with enslaving a population and being murderously repressive. The more ideological ones are, are really not liked by the Stalinists. So if you go through Cuba's the history of the Castro dictatorship in Cuba, you'll you'll see that there's every few years there's a purge in the Communist Party, and they get the ones that are not willing to to be hardline and do anything and everything in defense of the regime are are purged out, even though they may be true communists. And they're often labeled Trotskyites. Trotsky was purged out of the Soviet Union and. They hunted him down in Mexico, I believe, and assassinated him. Yeah, they bashed his skull in with a ice axe, I believe. Something like that. To get back to music, do you want to tell a little bit of the story of uh, Sandoval? Well, Arturo Sandoval is a very talented trumpet player was probably the best one in in Cuba and like everything else they they used him to show how great the revolution is uh problem is that as he toured the world representing the revolution he decided to defect because he wanted to be able to to be free to to do whatever music he wanted however he wanted to do it you see it with the athletes you see it with ballet dancers you see it with all all across the arts and athletics the Communists like to show off their stars, and unfortunately for them, fortunately for the stars, they first chance they get to, to escape, they do. Was he able to get his family out as well? A lot of times they'll hold them, but you also have a situation where you have someone that's high profile like him, and the last, and they don't want the, the bad publicity, they don't want him talking to the press all the time saying how their family so a lot of times when you're high profile they'll just let your family out just so you'll shut up and stop drawing attention to them so uh, i'm not entirely sure how long it took for his family to to get out but uh, they are with him Let's talk Celia Cruz. Celia Cruz, the queen. Yeah, she had an amazing voice, an amazing talent. Celia got started uh, at an early age, before the revolution. She was uh, with a group called the Sonora Matancera, which was a very popular musical group in Cuba. And she left, came to the United States. And if Cubans didn't know her, if they were born after she had left, if someone didn't bring a CD, they never knew she existed because as far as the Castro regime was concerned, she was dead. And they didn't even allow her to come, to go back to Cuba to attend the burial of her mother. Was she vocal about what was happening in Cuba? Extremely. Extremely vocal. How did other musicians, especially in the States, where they tend to you know, lean on the left side of politics, how did they deal with her? Well, she was such an incredible talent and such a giant in the industry that they didn't cross her but neither did they help her so she was pretty much on her own but she had such a bully pulpit that she didn't really need their help hey, mama, hey, mama. 
unfortunately, I never got to meet her in person, but I know a lot of people that did know her in person, and she was just an, one of the sweetest, most genuine people you'd ever, ever want to meet. Next up, Kachow. Kachow was a bass player. Uh, I got to meet him in person. Oh, wow. And, uh, a legend, an incredible bass player. And he was another one that was, like Stelia, uh, very vocal and was a uh, non-person to the regime because of his vocal opposition to them. So he was able to escape? Yeah. Like many of the other ones, he got out while he could. A lot of them, you know, were all part of groups that were were in Cuba that were touring and uh, I don't know how exactly he got out if he got out before or after it's really difficult because in in the Cuban what's the Cuban exile community uh, a lot of people it was an exodus that took place over a 10-15 year period where people were getting out in dribs and drabs so there was this constant flow of, of people coming out some you know, some came out and got here and became famous here. Others were famous over there and got out. There were different phases of the exodus. There was, you know, the original exodus when people got out. There were the freedom flights of people getting out. There were uh, the Mariel boat lift. There were the rafters. But, you know, from 1959 through now, it's almost like in dribs and drabs as, as groups get out. about some current musicians you had mentioned the punk band uh, what are some other musicians that i assume some of them are still living on the island yeah some are still there uh for instance you have uh, as i mentioned porno para ricardo old school punk band and they're still playing and they try to do concerts over there and pay a very steep price for it <laughs> Aldeanos, which is a rap group that is very vocal against the regime. At first, they were they became popular because their their songs were non-political. Uh, then they started getting political and they got banned off the radio. But they continue doing that, and they had an interesting situation coming here to the United States because the regime went after them here, trying to get them banned here. Wow. Uh, when they were doing a concert here. Well, how could they have any kind of sway over here? They have so many tentacles right. working their way in here. There's, they can do it through through academics, through the media. They have defenders here that will come and protest. A perfect example would be they can tell CNN, if you cover this, I'm going to close down your bureau in Havana. You know, they could tell a university, if, if you let these people play there, we're going to end our partnership in in the research you're doing here. Is there any other musicians you want to highlight? There's several other ones that are out there. You have Amaury Gutierrez, 
who is here in exile. He escaped Cuba, who's an incredible songwriter, uh, also very vocal. There's other musicians that were that are here in exile that are the, the ones that I grew up with. There's Willy Chirino, who's an icon here in the Cuban exile community. He's one that came here and, and got famous here. He's another one that's banned in Cuba. It's really difficult because the ones that do speak out usually get snuffed out real quick on the island. Right. So it's so it's very rare that you know you'll get a porno para Ricardo or los aldeanos being able to to get out and get heard. It's the freedom that we ride for. It's the freedom that we die for. C U V A. Hope to see you free one day. Now, the uh, rapper Pitbull, he's usually very vocal. Of course, he grew up in Miami, but how do you think he's been Real able five. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, worldwide. Um, yeah. How do you think he's been able to keep a career going? He's had like songs that addressed like when Jay Z and Beyonce went over and to Cuba and had a good time and said everything was great. Uh, how do you think he's able to get away with it? He's always supported their political parties, so it's a trade-off in terms of politics and ideologies. The, the Cuban exile community is one of two things: you're either a Celia Cruz that you're just so big that they can't do anything to you. Uh, or Arturo Sandoval, or, oh, and I didn't even mention, forgot to mention Paquito de Rivera. An incredible saxophone and clarinet player that's also very vocal and banned in Cuba. And what ends up happening is if you're extremely vocal, you're cut out of the inner circle or, you know, the cocktail parties. But if you support their candidates, but still come out and, and say something, you know, anti-Castro, they're willing to accept that. I mean, a perfect example of that would be Gloria and Emilio Estefan from the Miami Sound Machine where they've been very vocal in support of the ladies in white. They've been very vocal uh, against the Castro dictatorship, but they were huge supporters of President Obama. They, were, they supported Hillary Clinton. So it's sort of like they trade. We'll let you talk about Cuba as long as you you know come and do a free concert for our candidates. It, it was a lot of tension, because like, you think eventually they're going to throw you away once they're done with you. you know? They do, but they don't. <laughs> For some reason, they think they're they're the ones that are not going to get thrown away. Right. That's what everybody thinks. Right. It's not going to happen to me. In the late 1990s, I remember beginning to hear about the Cuban ensemble called the Buenos Vista Social Club. American media outlets like Rolling Stone. And NPR were going on about the group 
as if they were performing music that had been forgotten and hadn't been heard in years. As an enormous fan of Afro-Cuban music, I rushed out to get that first album, and though it was very good, to my ears wasn't anything that wasn't still being performed since the revolution by the likes of Tito Puente, Machito, Celia Cruz, Willie Colon, and so many others. In fact, almost all the songs on the album I had heard interpreted before by even the non-Cuban likes of Nat King Cole. I felt the Buenas Vista Social Club was getting the red carpet those other Latin artists here in the States never got. Ole Unarata. And when I owned a video rental shop, if a customer wanted to rent the Vin Vendors documentary on the Buenas Vista Social Club, I made them also take, at no additional cost, the Arturo Sandoval film For Love or Country to counter the Castro's propaganda that ran through the former. All of that to say, I asked Mr. Cruz to talk about the moral quandary that exists when we financially support artists still being held in slavery under the communist regime. I listened to the album, and it's it's great. Mm-hmm. And there's a, some incredible musicians in Cuba. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad they got their voice again, really, truly. But go ahead. Yeah, but every single song on there and everything that happened during the recording of that of that album and the filming of that documentary was under the watchful eye and had to final approval by the Castro dictatorship. So if you're an artist and you don't have a problem with having a government have the final okay on everything you say and everything you express, I guess that's cool, you know, for you. Uh, For me, as we had discussed earlier offline, frustrated musician and a writer, I really don't like having anybody having any say on, you know, what I say or, or express. So the Buena Vista Social Club were all musicians that are all part of the the Castro dictatorship team and they all play by the rules and those are the only ones that were allowed to to be on that album it's not to take away from their talent but they basically are apparatchiks of the regime there's a couple of other artists in cuba that that have achieved world fame and were very famous in in cuba Uh, one is pablo milanes and the other one is Silvio Rodriguez. And those guys are very communist. Uh, even though Milanes and Rodriguez now are in their older age and they don't really care anymore, are starting to voice a little bit of opposition to the regime. It, it's almost, it's not that we don't believe in the revolutions, that you're doing it wrong type of opposition. But those guys, they're very talented. And, you know, Silvio Rodriguez is an incredible songwriter. But at the end of the day, they put their talent and their services in the service of the regime. If you want to look at it as an expression of, of art, there's a lot lacking there. Isn't it true that most or all of the Buenos Vista Social Club members weren't even allowed to play for many, many years? Yeah. In typical communist fashion, you, it all comes down to whether... The central committee, not the central committee, but whatever organization they, uh, whatever committee they put in charge of the art, they get to decide when you play and who you get to play to and if you get to play at all. Everybody has a file. They call in Spanish, they call it el expediente. Everyone has a file and everything you say and do is recorded in that file. So if you made a comment to somebody and that person went to somebody and said, hey, look, this guy was saying was criticizing Fidel Castro. 
that's a black mark in your file. So when it comes time to say, well, you're going to get to tour the world with uh, Lo Huang Bang or, or some other group, they look in your file. If you got too many black marks, you don't get to go, no matter how talented you are. It's sort of a reward system. The better communist you are, the more perks you get. So it has nothing to do with how good of a musician you are. It's like the the new Chinese social credit system. Exactly. I mean, it, it's they call it new in in China, but it's just a high tech way of of doing what the communists have always done. So, if folks outside of Cuba bought any of the Buenos Vista Social Club albums and offshoots. Where did the money go? Well, probably uh, it was released here. If I recall correctly, it was released here in the United States. Right. Uh, so the bulk of the money would go to the record company. But any royalties that were paid from the sale of each album for the musicians that are in Cuba do not get paid to the musicians. They get paid to the regime. Get paid to the, the slave masters, basically. Right, right. Hopefully folks listening to this are sympathetic with the musicians and people in general that are still trapped in Cuba. What's one thing that we can do as individuals to give voice to the muted voices still on the island? The best thing people can do uh, to support artists in Cuba that want to express themselves freely is, is to recognize them and to not give credit to to the ones the musicians that are being used to promote their regime for example there's a group called buena fe good faith which is basically a propaganda band for the regime you have uh, lo van bang which is a incredible salsa band uh, incredibly talented but they go around the world promoting the castro dictatorship and when you support those people you're supporting the Castro dictatorship. It's hard because they, Buena Fe is more poppy, but like Lo Van Bang has some incredible music and it's hard to say, well, I'm not going to listen to it. But, you know, at that point you have to let your conscience dictate. I see it as the Nazis were great at doing some incredible propaganda films. So, you know, are you going to go out and buy them and support them? And for me, it's the same thing. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's right. So I would, I would say to, to give support to those that, that try to express themselves freely uh, in Cuba. It's not just the music, you know, you have performance artists like Dania Bruguera, who speaks out and gets beaten up and arrested and, you know, giving support to people like her instead of, you know, going to buying a Lo Van Bang album. If you'd like to learn more about the topic of today's conversation, you should start reading babaloublog.com's website, which keeps track of the repression and news out of Cuba and other suffering countries. And that is spelled, by the way, B-A-B-A-L-U-B-L-O-G. In fact, Mr. Cruz manages and writes for the blog and also chatted with me once before on In the Corner Back by the Woodpile, episode 139, about... The Ladies in White, Osvaldo Paya, and other Cuban voices of dissent. And if you've just got a Jones for great Latin music, back on episode 70, drummer Jim Payne came on to talk about his friend and mentor, Tito Puente. 
But if you'd rather just hear music and no talking, you should check out my Mixcloud page at mixcloud.com by searching for Spun Counter Guy on the website, where I've got several Latin music mixes posted in amongst other genres. In the corner, back by the woodpile, it's produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by looking up Spun Counter Guy. If you want to say hi or send us nasty words, you can email us at spuncounterguy at hotmail.com. And you can find this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and podbean.com. We'll see you on the flip side.